Well, good morning and welcome. It's good to see you out today. If you're out in the hallway, please make your way on into the sanctuary as we begin worship today. We just want to welcome you. Also, those of you joining us by live stream this morning, welcome. Um, What a, a joy it is to be together. The Word of God says in Psalm 107, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And so that's why we come every week, right, to give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love and His goodness to us. We know that that steadfast love was made everlasting because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why we here at East LSA Baptist have been captivated by Christ, by the beauty that God would, through His own Son, uh, show us His glory. And we, so we've seen the glory of God, and we cannot unsee that glory which is His grace and mercy, His love to forgive and justify us through the life, death, and resurrection and ongoing reign of Jesus our Lord. It's our prayer that if you don't know Him personally, that you would be captivated by Jesus today and leave here uh, having seen His beauty and, and enjoying Him. So you're wondering why I've got a pair of shoes sitting up here on the pulpit, but let me tell you, so we've been talking about this for about a month now, and you guys gave toward these shoes are called Grow With Me shoes, and we as a church supplied 230 pairs of these to North Georgia Christian Academy. They took these shoes and put them in their Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes on Tuesday, and now those will be shipped you know, all over the world. But I'm just going to show them to you. I didn't have them. They didn't come in when, I started, when we started receiving that offering. So this is what you were purchasing and I don't know if you can see this or not, but there's a little hook right here. And this shoe will actually, of course, I won't be able to do it right now, of course, but that unhooks. And if you can see this, you can cinch it up. And so it can start smaller and then grow. And then they have a couple different sizes of these. So a real practical thing is you think about children in third world countries where there's not shoes. You've now provided 230 of those. So thank you. Just wanted you to see what you'd been uh, investing in as you've given so generously um, to supply those shoes. Several announcements as we get started. First of all, next Sunday, November the 29th, we will begin uh, to celebrate as a church the, the Advent season. Um, our Advent series this year will be The Gifts We All Need After 2020. Are you interested? It's been a year, so we'll have uh, next Sunday um, as part of that kickoff. We'll also have 30, I've bought 30 copies of an Advent devotional entitled The Christmas We Didn't Expect by David Mathis. It's a brand new uh, Advent devotional out. Um, those are, th- these, are, these are for you if you will use it. I've only got 30 copies. So if this, if, I mean, just straight up, if you won't take it and read it and use it with your family, just then please just leave it for somebody else to enjoy, right? But if you want it, take it. If you can give $7, put $7 in the basket that will be next to these to cover the cost, great. If you can't and you'll use it, take it anyway. We don't want that to be an issue. So uh, this is our gift to you either way. Also, Advent is a great opportunity for you to invite your friends and family uh, that haven't trusted Christ as their Savior to worship with us via live stream or to come with you to in-person church. So uh, take the opportunity to do that. Uh, We'll have some things that you can use to share our Advent services on social media um, and so forth 
uh, by next Sunday. So we'll get those, explain how you can get a hold of those next Sunday. Also next Sunday, immediately following our worship service, we'll have regular church conference. Um, on the agenda in that meeting will be, the pre- with among other things, will be the presentation of two new deacon candidates. Uh, these two men will be presented and then set aside for a six-month period of examination and, vo- and involvement. And then we'll also have some other uh, regular church business items to tend to right after worship next Sunday. And then also next Sunday, big day next Sunday, right, uh, at 5 o'clock, uh, we will have another meeting for all of our youth and children's workers and the parents in particular of our youth and children right here in the sanctuary, 5 o'clock next Sunday. We will begin to form a search committee and continue to gather input about a full-time staff to work with our youth and children. So please join us. Uh, you don't have to be parents or youth and children workers at, at this point. If you're interested, if you have an interest in where our church is headed in that direction and would like to just sit in and listen, give some input. If you've had experience in that area in the past, then please join us for that next Sunday, 5 o'clock right here. Looking ahead, Christmas Eve, December the 24th, we'll have our Christmas Eve candlelight communion service at 5 o'clock. So go ahead and put that on your calendar. We do it a little early in the evening so it doesn't mess up family dinners and so forth. We will be here like 45 minutes usually total um, it's a brief service, but a sweet time of uh, worship and fellowship together uh, on Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. One more announcement that uh, we'll begin with a video, and then Jim will come uh, and share with us how we can be involved with the Gideon's work this Christmas season. On the first Christmas night, a star lit up the heavens. The angels gathered to rejoice in the coming of a savior. Shepherds left their fields and journeyed to worship together, the light of the world who was born to chase away darkness. This holy child who began life in a humble manger was honored with gifts worthy of a king. Our traditions may have changed over the years, but the one we celebrate remains the same. He is the Prince of Peace, the Great Healer, the Good Shepherd, Emmanuel. He is still worthy of our gifts today. With every donation given, You help fund distribution of scriptures to people who are seeking the hope only Jesus can provide. Join the Gideons International today in spreading the good news of Jesus this Christmas. same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord.
As believers in Jesus Christ, you and I have the greatest story ever to, to be told. The story of a Savior who came to earth to save mankind. This time of year, the world can tempt us to get caught up in all the commercial aspects of this holiday. But you and I know the real reason for the season. It's called Birthday for Jesus, an opportunity our church offers you to celebrate Christ's birth by donating Bibles around the world in his honor. To participate in this opportunity to touch lives with the gospel, please take one of the donation envelopes found by the baskets at the exit from the sanctuary, and you fill it out, include the amount you wish to donate to the Gideons International in honor of Jesus' birth. Your donation will help to provide for the placement and distribution of scriptures in some 200 countries, territories, and possessions throughout the world. Now inside the envelope, you'll find a decorative card that is yours to keep. You can hang it on your Christmas tree or display it wherever you like as a reminder to pray for those who will encounter the scriptures that you are providing. Isaiah 55 tells us God's word does not return void. Please pray for those who receive these scriptures, knowing that somewhere in the world, a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl will receive a copy of God's word that you helped provide. Pray also for lives to be changed as they read the story of Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior. So please fill out the envelope, enclose your donation or credit card information, and place the envelope in the baskets at the rear of the church. Our Birthday for Jesus collections will be continuing for the next two weeks and conclude on December the 7th. You can also donate online at birthdayforjesus.org. That's birthdayforjesus.org. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family this Christmas season. <clears throat> Thank you, Jim. And uh, we are big uh, fans and friends of the Gideons. We just praise God for the work that they uh, do all over the world and, and the impact that has been had on so many lives. I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, thank you to our Sunday school teachers uh, who have been trying to navigate this COVID season. Uh, several of them have uh, Zoomed Sunday school for months uh, and are now beginning to do a hybrid version, meeting in person and still Zooming some folks in. Uh, others are now back in person after a long break, and we just appreciate what you do. Uh, one of the most important ministries in the life of our church, in my opinion. Uh, if you want to know, I'm a Sunday school pastor. I believe that every single in member of the church should be in Sunday school. I think that's where church is at its best. So I want to encourage you, if you're not in a Sunday school class, to, to get in one. Um, you can have uh, just you can grow in, in ways in that small group there uh, around the word and, and with other believers that you can't do in this room and, and where we where we can't really talk and share about the word where we can't engage each other and, and, and know how to pray for one another. So let me encourage you. But Sunday school teachers, thank you for the work that you continue week in and week out to do. I want to invite you to stand with me as we read from the Word of God. Just before we go to the Lord in prayer, and, and remember several things this morning, but uh, Philippians 4 is where we're going to be reading from, and where the message will come from a little bit later on. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We will look uh, at another translation at the time of the message, but Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul says to the Philippians, 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord has done for us in Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful that no matter what we face, we can rejoice in the Lord? We can give thanks because He has given us everlasting life. He's, 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 he's purchased us with His own blood. He's made us His own sons and daughters. We have not a temporary, just in the next few days kind of hope. We have an everlasting, eternal hope in Jesus. Aren't you thankful for this peace? Have you experienced that before? I know you have if you know Him. A peace that doesn't make sense. A peace that you shouldn't have apart from the work of God in your heart to give it, right? We live in a world, though, that, surround, that we're surrounded by people who don't have that peace. They don't have that hope. They cannot rejoice no matter what because they don't know Jesus. And they don't have the hope He gives. You have neighbors, you have family members, friends, co-workers who need to know the truth of Jesus so that they might be able to rejoice, truly rejoice in Him with all of His supernatural peace. But also around the world, there's people groups all around the world that have never heard of Jesus or among whom there are very few believers. The, the Chichun group of people in Russia, this is a Muslim people group, the Noshi, uh, in particular they go by that name. This is a people group of 1,455,000. Now most of the time, this is where you expect me to say 0.0% evangelical believers, because most of the groups we pray for on Sunday morning are that. This one is actually 0.01%. That's really tiny. I don't know how many that is. Somebody can probably do that math real quick, but it ain't many. There's, there's however many, just very few believers among a million and some odd people. And so let's pray for our brothers and sisters that are there trying to penetrate a very strong Muslim tradition people group um, with also, also some spiritual mysticism mixed in. It's just, a, it's just a hard place for the truth of Jesus to penetrate, but God is able. And so join me as we pray for these people, for your neighbors and, and, and co-workers, uh, as well as for our nation um, and, and just our part in uh, shining the light of Christ this week. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your grace, for the gospel that we have, the Word of God, in its fullness that we can freely read in our language. Uh, we've got multiple copies in our homes. God, we are so rich in truth in the truth of your grace, and the truth of your mercy. Thank you for the peace that you've brought us through Jesus, that we can know all is well between us and the creator of the universe because Jesus lived, died, and rose again in our place as our substitute and as our Savior, and he reigns today as our sovereign over all. Father, thank you for this 
truth. We pray for our neighbors, that you would use us to speak the, the, the truth of the gospel, that they might find joy in Jesus. And we pray for the nations. We pray for the Chichun people in Russia. God, that you would penetrate the gospel through our brothers and sisters there who believe in Christ, who have the truth, that you would use them and that your, your, your gospel and your kingdom would multiply and explode among this people group. Father, we pray for our nation today. We are seeing the result, I believe, Father, of first and foremost a weak church, anemic, compromised, and complacent. And so, God, my prayer is that you would revive your people. But, Father, we know that we live in a world that simply hates Jesus unless you open their eyes to see. And so part of what we're seeing is just what happens the world over. God, how we pray that you would make us lights in the darkness. That we would not obscure our gospel witness, our witness to the only message that saves by anything else we engage in as citizens. Father, may we understand our allegiance to King Jesus and to the kingdom of Jesus is first and foremost. And may we live on a radical mission of mercy to all those around us, even those we would consider our enemies. For Jesus, you loved me when I was your enemy, a rebel in sin against you. How can we do any less? God, use us in this nation as your people. And I do pray, God, that you would bring many to Christ at all levels, from the highest parts of the government, God, that salvation would come to each home, all the way down to those that are our neighbors. Lord, be with us now as we worship you. We lift up those that are sick. We think of so many that are grieving today. And God, we just pray that you would comfort and strengthen and heal in those situations as well. Thank you, Father, and, and be pleased with our worship. Lord Jesus, be exalted as we worship you in song now. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in, in song. Good morning. Glad you joined us this morning. Let's uh, sing together. We're going to sing Everlasting God.
And Father, this morning, we just thank you so much that we know those two amazing realities if we're your children today. We know, we've come to know you as the good, good Father who gave his own Son to live a perfect life in our place, to go to the cross, to there bear all of the wrath of God, the justice of God toward our sins for us instead of us as the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and then rise on the third day in victory and continue to now reign and inhabit His people by His Spirit. Father, how we rejoice in the truth that having trusted Jesus, you have made us your children, loved by you. That's who we are. Above all else is your people. That's who we are in this world. Before anything or anybody else is children of God, we are loved by you. And we are yours. Jesus, you are our king. We are happy citizens of another world. And how we long for the day, Lord Jesus, when you come back. When we can see your face and stand in your presence forever. Never again leave or be distant from you and even be made like you in those moments. Father, I thank you for this truth and because of the gospel, we can rejoice always. We have so much to praise you for. May we, may we be reminded and may we grow in our gratitude, even today, through your word and by the power and powerful teaching of your spirit to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we will be dismissed to Children's Church. And as they are making their way out to Children's Church, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 4. So <clears throat> we have been in the book of Luke for right at a year now, I think. And uh, we're going to take a break for Thanksgiving and Advent, and then we'll pick up our study in the Gospel of Luke at the first of the year. Luke, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. <coughs> well, it's one of those weird things this year, isn't it? Um, where it's hard to believe that Thanksgiving is Thursday, but it's also kind of like it came, you know, it, it came quick on the one hand, and it seemed like it's been the longest year ever all at the same time. But it's Thursday. Uh, I, I would dare say it's been perhaps the toughest year that, uh, not all, but some of us can remember. And it's still a tough year, isn't it? Things are still crazy. COVID has painfully affected the lives of so many families whether it be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the strain and stress of isolation caused by what we've come to call quarantine life. Our nation's been um, torn with racial strife and injustice 
really at a level unlike anything that uh, I have seen in my lifetime. Again, some of you have seen things similar and worse. We've seen rioting and anarchy in some of our major cities. There's a political climate and current situation that would have been almost unthinkable to us in years gone by that just such happenings could happen. You add to all that big picture stuff, the up close and personal trials that we've all individually, no doubt, experienced. Even as a church family, it seems there has been, uh, Betsy and I were just talking, an unusual amount of loss and grief uh, for our our church members and, and their families this year. How about you, as a Jesus follower, have you found yourself more anxious and afraid this year? I'll admit there's been, there's been seasons when it's just been tough spiritually. And so the question comes, how do we do Thursday? Because if you just listen to the news, if you just absorb what's going on in the world, it's a tough year to quickly grab hold of things to be thankful for, isn't it? Is there any way that we can celebrate Thanksgiving? Hear me, not just go through the motions, but like really celebrate Thanksgiving with real peace from our hearts, full of gratitude to God. Well, again, if such a celebration depends on life being trouble-free, the nation experiencing political peace, you and I no longer having to live with COVID and so on and so on, then the answer is clearly no. 2020 has highlighted more than ever a truth that is actually always true. And here it is. Security and safety in this world is a myth. 2020's kind of put the spotlight on that, but here's the deal. It's true in the best of years. That security and safety in this world is really a myth. And until we get a hold of an eternal safety in God and in Jesus, then we can never know real peace. So I just think it's super pertinent this morning that we go to Philippians 4 and talk about the peace of thanksgiving. The truth I want you to take home before we read these verses again, this time from the ESV, is this. Your heart and mind, even in 2020, your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. That's true. You may be thinking, there's no way. How can it be? Have you not been watching the news? Just so you know, no, not a lot. I don't. I I watch enough to keep up. You would, some of you would do better if you didn't as much. That has nothing to do with the message, but it will, it will, it will help your life. Chad, how can you say such a thing? Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace. How can anybody have peace today as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus? I can, I can tell you that because of Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Listen to what Paul says again from the English Standard Version. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, man, that's something the world 
is void of today. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness, I can't even say the word, your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, here's what will happen, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are promises from Paul. These are certainties given by the Apostle Paul. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. Well, how can we walk with Jesus and enjoy that kind of peace? That's what we need to find out, right? How do we do that? How do we get there? Chad, you say it's possible. How do I get it into my life this week, Thanksgiving 2020? Notice first of all, in, in verses, uh, verse 4 and also the, the second part of verse 6, the way we get there is this. We, number one, rejoice, Paul said in the Lord. That's a command. Always be full of joy, the New Living Translation says, in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. It's a command. At the end of verse 6, it says, thank Him for all he has done. There's a connection between rejoicing and having joy in the Lord. Why would you have joy in the Lord? How do you rejoice in the Lord? It's when you know what he's done, and, and, and knowing what he's done, you're thankful for it, and therefore you can rejoice in it. Does that make sense? Key connection between rejoicing and thankfulness. In order to be thankful, you have to see and know what Jesus has done, but once you see it, then Thankfulness is automatic almost, and, all, and also automatic is the joy that flows from such gratitude. Rejoice in the Lord. What is it that keeps you from always rejoicing in the Lord or from being thankful to God? Well, we've, we've been talking about some of it already this morning, haven't we? All the happenings around you, fear, anxiety, worry, dread, the news... What is it that keeps you from always rejoicing in the Lord or, and, from being, and from being thankful to Him? What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Again, we just talked about that. It means taking what He's done, thanking Him for it, and finding joy in it. Matt Basel said, We are a people plagued with gospel amnesia, and we often forget the riches that we have been given in Christ. So if you're going to rejoice in the Lord, then you've got to be gospel-remembering people, not gospel amnesia kind of folks that forget what Jesus has done. But on a daily basis, we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, remind ourselves of the truth. And so let me just ask you, as you sit there thinking about these things and, and this idea of rejoicing in the Lord, is there anything about Jesus that makes you thankful? Hello? Thanksgiving's Thursday. This is a week beginning to Thanksgiving week. Is there anything about Jesus that makes you thankful? Well, let's just stop a minute and fire some stuff off. Is there? Okay. Well, you nodded your head. Now, now talk. What? Salvation. Grace. Love, mercy, 
Good. Those are good things. That's good. Anything that he's done that, could, that would cause you to truly be able to rejoice in him, always even. Well, those are good starts, and I just want to take you to Scripture to see it from the Word of God. I'm glad you asked. We're going to do a gospel rundown right quick. You ready? Hang on tight. The Scripture will be on the screen. Philippians 3.20 says this. What has Jesus done for you? What do you got to rejoice in the Lord about? Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. That's the hope you and I have. He's coming back, and when He does, He's going to change us. We're not from here. This place is not home if we've been born again, born above, Jesus would say, by the Spirit of God and been made the sons and daughters of God, heaven is home. And we're on our way. And He's coming. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that is? That's Peter rejoicing in the Lord. Well, what Peter, what are you rejoicing about? Here, here, this is the reason I said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in His great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What can you rejoice in the Lord about? The fact that you have hope beyond this life with all of its news, with all of its circumstances, with all of its pandemics. We have hope for eternity. Why? Because Jesus lived, died, and rose again for you. And today, your Savior reigns over all things. You say, Chad, it sure doesn't look like it. That's just because we're not smart enough to see it. He reigns. He's in charge. Over in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8, by the way, probably one of my all-time favorite passages in all of the Bible, Paul gives us a whole list of spiritual blessings in Jesus to thank God for. Listen to what he says. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is rejoicing in the Lord. That's what, that's what he's doing. Why, Paul? Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Listen. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. However many that is, and, and however many that is that God requires you to have to, to be at perfect peace with Him and perfect fellowship with Him, Paul says He's given you every single blessing of heaven in Jesus. For He chose us in Him. God the Father chose us in Him, God the Son, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Sinners. Made holy and blameless in Jesus in the sight of holy God. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. So enemies, that's me, that's you, apart from Jesus, can become in the plan and, and working of Almighty God from before time began, become sons and daughters. What love. And he's done all this, verse 6 says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, all of them, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And the result, Paul says there in verse 6, why did, he do, why did God do all that? So that we would praise the glory of his grace. So that we would rejoice in the Lord always. So that we'd respond to what he's given us in Jesus with worship 
and obedience that proves our worship, a life of worship and gratitude. You see, rejoicing in the Lord always, and always being thankful for all that the Lord has done. Hear me, that should not be hard, obviously. Amen? In fact, what we learn from these passages that we're looking at, and especially Philippians 4, is this. To rejoice in the Lord, it's a command. Here's the deal. If Paul can command that, then you can obey that command. Hello? By the power of the Spirit, by the, the grace of God given to you by the Spirit. But in short, rejoicing in the Lord always, even now on Thanksgiving 2020, really from the heart with gratitude and peace, it's a choice, simply a choice you make. Chad, it's just plain naive to say that when you look at the circumstances of our world. Wrong! You are wrong. No, it is not naive at all to say that. It may be difficult to make that choice. But the way you and I rejoice in the Lord is simply to go back to the gospel and make the choice that we're going to believe God and that we're going to rejoice in what He's done for us because it's real. Here's the deal. If, if that's naive and that cannot be done, I need you to prove it to me because I've wasted my life believing that it is and preaching the gospel that says it is true. And we need to shut her down burn this place to the ground, and go do something else. You see, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as my substitute, your substitute, your Savior, your reigning sovereign, it's eternal. And it's unlike the current circumstances of our world that Scripture says is passing away. This, this nation won't last forever. This planet won't last forever because Jesus is coming back to make all things new. To consume with fire those things that are now and recreate all things into something that will be forever, that will be our home, the new heavens and the new earth. You say it's naive. Do you realize where Paul was? Anybody, anybody got a guess where Paul was when he wrote the words that we've read? When he said to the Philippians, hey, y'all rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to tell you one more time, rejoice. Where was he? Huh? Prison. I won't ask for a show of hands. But how many of you have ever been in prison? Now, if I was in prison, it'd be tough to rejoice in the Lord. But you know what? Paul was, and he did. He didn't write to the church at Philippi and say, you know, I'm in prison. I don't even know if y'all should have church next Sunday. I mean, this is bad. I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm in prison. I mean, how can the cause of Christ go on without me? How can you get, I mean, what are you going to sing about? I'm in prison. That's not what he said. He said, look, I'm in jail, but rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to tell you one more time, guys. Don't be down. Don't, don't let my being in prison for the gospel sidetrack you. Rejoice in the Lord. Plus, the Philippians themselves were facing opposition from gospel-hating people. Does that sound familiar, familiar in America today? In Philippians 3.18, Paul says, Many live as enemies of the cross. This should not surprise us. This shouldn't freak us out. 
And this shouldn't change our course of, 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 of action. We are to continue to rejoice in the Lord always. And to sing His praises and to tell of why, we're, why we have joy. To speak it out to other people. Because folks, what, what, what America needs, what the world needs more than anything this week is the good news that Jesus can save them. And forever forgive all of their sins. And change them. They don't need to clean up before they come to Jesus. They need to come to Jesus and beg Him to cleanse them and wash them and make them new. Just like I had to do. Philippians, uh, and concerning the situation, Paul has already called the, the, the Philippians. Uh, uh, even, though, even though many are enemies of the cross, he's already said it in Philippians 3 verse 1. My brothers and sisters, what do you think he says there? Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Philippians 4 is not the first time he'd said it. He said it in Philippians 3. He wants them to have joy in Jesus, no matter. No matter the circumstances, no matter what. As John Piper says, I want to underline the great truth that Christian joy does not die when sorrows abound. Joy and sorrow in the Christian life are not sequential, but simultaneous. We are called to rejoice always, and yet sorrow breaks like waves over our lives. Can I tell you something? If the only joy you have is changed by sorrow in life, if the joy that you claim to have in Jesus has left you during this pandemic, listen to what I'm telling you. That's not Christian joy. That's not joy in Jesus. You don't know what it means to rejoice in the Lord because joy in Jesus cannot be moved. The waves come and joy stays. The waves come, sorrows are real, and yet in the midst of it, you believe the Word of God, you believe God's Word about Jesus, and you can still rejoice. Now, does that mean you go around smiling, laughing, happy, having fun like the world on, on that level? No. You may be in tears over the sorrow that's come into your life, and yet there is joy. Why? Because you know what Jesus has done. You know, the peace that you can have in, right in this moment of sorrow with God. You know that because of what Jesus has done in your sorrow, you can call God Father. And you can say, Father, I need you in this sorrow. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your peace. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice. All this is a list of things that Jesus has done for us. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. That's just life for the believer. It is what happens. You do have to suffer all kinds of sorrow and grief and, and, and various kinds of trials in life. But in the middle of that you rejoice because you rejoice in Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, Paul says, as he wraps up that letter, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Before this message is over, you're going to see that connection again of those three things. Rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. It all goes together, and Paul says this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you know what the, the New Testament commands more than anything 
a combination of stuff like give thanks, praise the Lord, do not fear. All these things that have to do with rejoicing in the Lord. Now, if that's what the Word of God, if that's what dominates the Word of God, then it's pretty important, and it must mean that, we're, that we really do need to hear these things, or God wouldn't keep repeating Himself, right? Parents, why do we say things over and over to our kids, and especially those things that we say a lot? Why? Because they're not, they, don't, they don't listen to those things. They're hard of hearing in those particular areas of, of life and behavior. Amen? Hello? Y'all all right? That, that's the way it works. Certain kids, you got to say certain things, the same thing like a bazillion times. Other kids, you say this other thing. Well, we're just like that with God. <laughs> Except I'm the kid. You're the kid. And he has to keep telling us, don't fear. Find your joy in me. Don't, don't look everywhere else for satisfaction. Look to me. Remember what I've done on the cross. Rejoice in the Lord. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. The first step towards that peace is to choose to remember and rejoice in who Jesus is and all that he's done. But notice with me, secondly, not only remember, not only rejoice in the Lord, but secondly, realize the Lord's nearness. Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. From the New Living Translation, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. There's a connection between these two sentences in the same verse. The truth that Jesus is coming soon, the truth that Jesus is near, should affect how we relate to others. And Paul says it should make us reasonable and obviously reasonable people before everyone. They should see us as different than the world. Can I just ask you, does 2020 look very reasonable? Does anybody, is anybody reasonable in 2020? No. They're crazy. They're unreasonable. Everything's nuts. There's a lot of shouting going on, right? There's a lot of anger and hatred and, and spewing stuff. You know what the church ought to do? It ought to shine as a group of reasonable people who are kind to others, because here's what they know. Jesus is close. Jesus could bust open the eastern sky at any moment and be here. And so what does it mean that Jesus is near? He's near in two senses. First of all, he's close. He is, as we saw in the Gideon video earlier, he is Emmanuel. He's, he is God with us. He lives in us as his people by his indwelling spirit. So just understand, every, wherever we go, we take Jesus with us, right? That's a real thing. He's with us. So when I engage in, in conversations, and, and, and if I get all worked up about something that will pass away one day, and I've and, 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 and just got to share my opinion, I've got to puke out my, my, my brilliance. By the way, that's about all an opinion is sometimes, amen, at least for me. If that doesn't sync with the Word of God and, and, the, and the mission Jesus has put me on to get the gospel to even my enemies, especially if I'm, if I'm spewing just hatefulness to somebody that I don't like, then you know what that does? It grieves the Spirit of Jesus that lives within me. So Jesus is close to us, but He's also coming to us. That's what it means that He's near, that, that He's at hand. 
not only is he Emmanuel, but Emmanuel, but but Jesus, his return is imminent. It's close. It's soon. I read it a while ago. We eagerly wait for a Savior from there, that is heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's at hand. I, I used this illustration one day, one, one, one sermon some, some time ago, and, and I just, I should have done it today, but I didn't do it. I had Kyle up here behind the door, and when he heard me say a certain thing, he started knocking on the door. You know somebody's at hand when you hear a knock on your door. What Paul's saying is Jesus is just like that. His return's just like that. His coming is at hand. He is knocking on the door of history. He will break in at any moment. It could be today. He's coming soon. And that changes everything. Not only is he close in coming, but he is in control. Therefore, Paul says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. In other words, you take the fact that Jesus could could return at any moment... You consider that, and then you consider those around you and how those two things go together. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You see, we can have peace that allows us to respond with a humble, patient, steadfastness, which is able to submit to injustice, disgrace, maltreatment, without hatred or malice in response, all the while trusting in God in spite of it all. Why? Because Jesus died for me, rose again, now reigns at the Father's right hand, and one day he's returning for me. I'm good. What can man do to us? Really? I mean, if they kill us, we go to Jesus. Worst case scenario. Not going to happen in this America today. Not, I'm not saying never, ever, but at least not probably in our lifetime. You're, you're not going to die a martyr's death here. Most likely. But if you do, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They can't hurt us. Anything less than death is really no big deal, right? You get that? That's an argument from the greater to the lesser. They can't kill you and take you away from Jesus. Then whatever else they do is not going to take you away from Jesus. It's not going to ruin your hope. It's not going to, it, it should not stop our rejoicing. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. When we realize our Savior is coming soon, it changes everything. We're to rejoice in the Lord. We're to realize the Lord's nearness. But thirdly, we're to resort to the Lord in prayer. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The New Living Translation, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need with thanksgiving. You know, we default to worry, don't we? I do. If I don't choose not to worry, I'll worry. I mean, I don't have to try to worry. That just, that just kind of comes, right? Crazy news happens, circumstances change, things get, get kind of wild in life. You know, things, are, things come into the family, happen in the family that, that throw us off kilter and, and trouble us. And, 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 and the default is worry. Unless we choose to return to Scripture, remember what Jesus has done, rejoice in the Lord. Remember that the Lord is near. 
and resort to the Lord in prayer. It's our default. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, I tell you, do not worry. He needed to address this with his disciples. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Here's the, here's the truth. You've never changed a thing worrying. Nothing. Not the first thing. And yet I've spent probably a whole lot more time worrying than I have praying. You know, what? I, when I do change things, you know, when, when, I, when I am involved in God moving in this world, when I pray. When I pray. Somebody said 40% of the things we worry about are circumstances that never happen. 30% of the things we worry about are past things that we can't do anything about. It's, it's in the past. 20% of the things we worry about are imagined or feared health problems that aren't true threats. Now, that may be a little different percentage <laughs> in 2020. 10% of the things are imagined problems with friends, and yet all of this imaginary stuff is allowed to cast us into discouragement, but there is a remedy. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything, Paul said. The way to be anxious about nothing is to, when we realize we're worrying, say, I'm not going to worry, I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn my worries into prayers. I'm going to make these concerns that, uh, that are causing me stress and discouragement. I'm going I'm to, I'm going to go, I'm taking this stuff, this stuff to the Father. We're anxious and we worry because it's just us and we know us, right? You know why you worry? Because you, you're weak and you know you're weak. Hello? Y'all all right? Isn't that the truth? I mean, if you were Superman and you could just fix everything, you wouldn't worry, would you? But you're not and you know it. I'm not and I know it. That's where anxiety comes from. So when you take them to the Father who is more than able. You know, it takes far more energy to worry than it does to pray. And the work of prayer actually gives us rest while the work of worry leaves us weary. I mean, when you've gone through the most anxious times of your life, how do you feel when you're done? You're just exhausted. And that's where the enemy wants us to be, right? Exhausted. Useless to the, to the cause of Christ. Useless to shine the light of Christ in our world. Just, just, just sidelined. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. So here's the deal. If I worry and don't pray, I'm choosing to believe that God doesn't care. Hello? Y'all all right? Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Do you believe that? If you do, you'll, you'll, you'll do what He says. You'll pray. you tell Him about it. By the way, you know what else? I'm... I'm not humbling myself under the Lord's mighty hand if I don't pray and give him all my anxiety. I'm saying, God, you know, here's the deal. Don't really need you. Got it. I'll handle this. It's really arrogance. It's really me saying, I'm as big as you, God. I'll, I'll tend to it. Now, it may be guy, under the guise of false humility. You know, I don't really want to bother God with that. No, that's, that's, that's hogwash. That's not what the deal is. You don't want to bother him with it because you think you can handle it. And the Bible says we can't handle it. We need him. We need to humble ourselves before him and say, God, we're helpless. That's the prayer God loves. 
The world doesn't, you know, the world doesn't praise talking like that, does it? You don't get rewarded for saying, I'm helpless and I need a Savior. I need help to get through this trial. You don't get rewarded for that, but you do with God. He who believes that he is, he who has faith must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. That's what real faith's all about. And that's why our text wraps up the way it does. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace. It will happen. It does come into your life, which exceeds anything we can understand. Uh, the, the little translation here, which, which surpasses all thought. Like, In other words, you can't wrap your mind around how you can have peace in those circumstances when God does His thing. It just doesn't make sense. There's not some logical flow in, in how these circumstances plus prayer and rejoicing in Jesus can end up equaling peace, like big peace. Why? Because this is a God thing. And you can't do the math on God. Y'all all right? You can't just throw some formula in and figure God out. He's God. It can't be explained. And I'm thankful that some things are beyond my understanding, amen? Because if, it, if that were not the case, there would be no God. And he couldn't do anything bigger than I could figure out and understand and actually replicate. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, do we need that in 2020? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding from the ESV, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. So with thanksgiving, rejoice in the Lord. Realize the Lord's nearness and soon return. And continuously resort to the Lord in prayer about everything. There's an old hymn that says, have you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Is there? You should never be discouraged. How, what? How's that work? I mean, if I got trials and temptations, if there's trouble everywhere, how do I not get discouraged? You should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer because you can. And because you can, you should never be discouraged. In his arms, I love this picture, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. That is a consolation. That is a, a guard for your heart, a, the, the guard of this peace that Paul talks about in Philippians 4. So get it straight. Peace is not in our plans or even our freedom from trouble circumstantially, but in God's presence with us, experienced and enjoyed fully as we walk with Him in grateful prayer. Jesus put it this way in John 16, I have said these things to you. He'd been talking to him about the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and all the Holy Spirit would do in the lives of the disciples after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended back to heaven. He was telling them what the Holy Spirit would do in the life of the church. By the way, that means in your life and mine, we're, we're, we're where he was forecasting to. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Because back to what we said earlier. What's life going to be like for followers of Jesus in 2020, 2021, and right on through till you go to meet him or he comes back to get you? Trouble. Tribulation. One form or the other. But I have overcome the world, Jesus said. And Jesus said, the reason I'm telling you all this is so that in me you may have peace. Right in the middle of tribulation, you can have peace. And if you can have peace, you can be thankful. And if you can be thankful, you can rejoice. No matter what. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. Ephesians 3.20, as we close. Paul says, now to him... He rejoices in the Lord right here. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We worship a God that can do more than we could ever dare to ask. And he is at work in us with the very power of the resurrection through His Spirit. You know what that means? It means in 2020, in Thanksgiving week, He can get glory through the people sitting in this room, wherever you may be in the days that, that come this week, as you gather with family, whatever it may be. He can get glory through you. He can get glory even through me. We're not too big a mess for him to use. That's what's amazing. We're jars of clay, and he's the treasure, and he can do it. As we come to this table this morning together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, may we rejoice, truly rejoice in the Lord. May we remember all that he's done for us. May we think about his soon coming, and may our hearts resort to him in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that right now you would prepare our hearts to commune with you in a special way around this beautiful meal called the Lord's Supper that, Jesus, you gave us as a gift, a reminder of your finished work. And so now as we come to this table, prepare our hearts, search us by your Spirit, see if there be any offensive way in us, and purge us, cleanse us. Lord, Help us to come with all sincerity and sobriety and, and love in our hearts for Jesus as we come to this table. And may Jesus be lifted high and may we find satisfaction in his finished work so that we're driven to go out and proclaim the good news as we live lives of holiness and obedience to him. Search us now, Father. And draw us close to yourself. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus and his disciples that night were celebrating Passover, a meal that commemorated God's deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt, the whole Exodus story. They would remember through the preparation of a, of a Paschal lamb, they would remember what they had done that night, the death angel came over Egypt, how they slaughtered a lamb and cooked it and taken its blood and put it on the doorpost so that when God's Spirit passed over to, to wipe out the Egyptians, they would see the blood over the, the, the door of the Israelites, the people of God's homes, and they would pass o- He would pass over them. He wouldn't kill the Israelites. A clear foreshadowing of what Jesus would do in His shed blood. The fact that His shed blood is what protects us from the death sentence that is justly do us from holy God because of our sins. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. And so that night as they celebrated, he said, I'm going to take this Passover meal and I'm going to turn it into something new now. That was the old covenant. That was the story of the people of God known as Israel. But we're turning a corner and all of a sudden we're in the new covenant where I change people's hearts. And this bread... It's a picture of my broken body. I'm fixing to go to the cross and there be crucified on that awful Roman crucifix, one of the most torturous deaths known to mankind. I'm going to go through that. My body's going to be totally broken, just like that bread is broken. I'm going to go to the cross, and as I'm, my body's broken, my blood is going to be shed. The Scriptures have always taught us that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Something has to die. For God to bring forgiveness. And in this case, it was Jesus, the Lamb of God, whose death and blood shedding saves the world. All who will ever trust in Him. He says, so the bread of the Passover is now the bread of the Lord's Supper. It's now my body. The, 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 the wine of the Passover, it's now a picture of my blood shed for you. In another place, Jesus looked at His hearers and He said, here's the deal. If you want, if you want to know God, then you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what He said. Did he mean literally? No, but he meant spiritually. And so that's what we're about to do. We're about to come take a a little drink of grape juice and in so doing symbolize that we spiritually drink the blood of Jesus. We believe his death had to happen. We're going to eat a little cracker that says we believe the body of Christ had to be sacrificed for us to be saved. But in it all, we're going to say And the only way anybody can ever save anybody is if they die, they rise again from the dead. He's not a dead man that we ascribe some kind of crazy power to. He's a living Savior. He rose on the third day, showing that he, in fact, paid it all on that cross. And so in just a minute, we're going, uh, the music will begin, and and you'll come serve yourself. And so let me just show you, if you're joining us for the first time, COVID COVID communion, okay? This This is the package So there is a cracker on top, and the grape juice is in the cup. There's two tabs. You need to make sure you don't get both the first time. So what you want to get the first time is a... This happened to me last time. Yeah, that figures. I never can get it. There's a clear one on top. 
you want to peel the clear first. That'll get the bread out. Then you want to peel the foil so the juice comes. You don't want to do that all at one whack or you're going to have juice everywhere and you're not going to be able to get to your bread. Y'all with me? So that's how these little things work. If you need a gluten-free option on the bread, this cracker is not. There are gluten-free crackers right in the middle. This back here is just so that you know we're having the Lord's Supper and don't not wonder what these are. So uh, just leave that part, part in the back alone. But as you come, there it is. I finally got the clear. So that's how that works. Clear comes off, and you get in that way. As you come, I'm just going to ask you to come. We're going to start with this section. We're just going to work straight across the room um, and, and, and just come by and pick one up and make your way back to your seat. The altar will be open for you to come and, and partake there, how, whatever the Lord leads you to do there um, as, the, as the worship team, team sings. Uh, Jesus said, he who eats this bread, he who drinks this cup, will live forever. And so I invite you, come to the table. Come giving thanks. Come rejoicing in the Lord. Come remembering His soon return. Come resorting to the Lord in the midst of all the chaos of life right now in prayer. Giving thanks and casting all your cares on Him. That's what He wants you to do. That's your Savior. That's our, our Lord. We can, and here's the deal. It's not just Sunday when we have... You can, you can live that way every day. You don't have to deal with that anxiety. You don't have to carry that worry. So come to the table as we sing. Betsy, you lead out. Thank you. 
Joe, you guys come on and, and serve yourself communion as well. And we're just going to give them a moment to worship that way. And then after, after they do that, Joe, we're going to close with the first verse of Amazing Grace. you all appreciate the way our worship team serves us. Thank you for giving them just a moment to, to kind of pause and, and uh, commune with their Savior. Uh, let's just give them uh, a round of applause to show our love uh, for how they serve us week in and week out. Let's stand together and we will close by singing just the first verse of Amazing Grace. people said amen. amen thank you for being here today we are looking forward to the advent season thank you for joining us via live stream if you're watching this morning um, we pray that you'll have a happy thanksgiving and a safe uh, celebration however you choose to do that this year and we look forward to seeing you next sunday morning we'll be dismissed <laughs>